Hello and welcome to The State of Shakespeare. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And today we're delighted to be joined by Marquise D. Gibson. Hello, Marquise. Hello. Hello, hello. Marquise is a Howard University trained actor. Marquise, you actually graduated magna cum laude. Is that correct? That is correct. Wow, top of your class at your university as well as you studied at Springboard NYC and AADA Los Angeles. So you bounced all over from, from coast to coast in your training. Yeah. And you're also a veteran of the American Conservatory Theater, Marin Shakespeare, Cincinnati Playhouse, Baltimore Center Stage, Signature Theater, and many more. And this is not your first appearance in a play inspired by Shakespeare. We'll get to that. But uh, you also appeared in Shakespeare in Love. Is that correct? Well, yes, this is very true. (laughs) (laughs) And Marquise, currently you're a cast member in the Pulitzer Prize winning play Fat Ham by James Iams, which is playing at the American Airlines Theater on Broadway following a sold out run in the Public Theater in New York. Oh, yeah, it's Pretty amazing. <laughs> and and uh, and full disclosure to our listeners, uh, we had the pleasure of seeing you in Fat Ham a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I think both Garrett and I were delighted by the show and by your performance. So again, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. So we saw the second night of previews and you were playing the leading role of Juicy in that performance. I'm thinking because the second night of previews was the first night I was thrown into the role. That's what so I thought. You had, okay, tell us about that. What, what, what happened that night? Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to, because of certain scheduling things, to step into the rehearsal process during the last day of tech. And I got to work with the main cast um, because I am one of the understudies, but I also got to go on last year as well. So I'm pretty familiar and comfortable with the cast um, on stage and off. We're all pretty close. And that night in particular, I found out maybe 45 minutes before the show that I would be going on because of something that happened with the main actor and the stage manager. She said, in full confidence, we already had you the couple of days before during tech. We feel really good about you doing this now. I said, okay, Uh, (laughs) so let me... um, see what I can do. And with 45 minutes, I got through, you know, the fight call things and getting in the costume and hair. And by the time that was over, it was places. Jeez. Yeah. That's and, the life of an understudy in, in Broadway. Absolutely. And was this, was this like the first time you had appeared on a Broadway stage? Yes, that was my Broadway debut. Oh my God. And so just, I mean, just for our listeners, because they may be interested, was there a difference in you for appearing on Broadway versus appearing at the public? Like, did, was there more pressure or was it just sort of like the same? It felt sort of the same. I made sure I didn't go there in terms of really overthinking kind of the great magnitude of the moment. Oh, I'm on the Broadway stage. And I really just boiled it down to, okay, it's me and this character. How can I show up for them? And then hopefully that translates to however many hundreds of people will see me on any given day. Right. So yeah, that it, that pressure or that thinking about it in that way really didn't hit until after it was over. And I was talking with castmates and you know they were saying, your Broadway debut was official. And then I said, oh. I have to ask, was there a moment when uh, the audience was very much with you? Absolutely. Was there a moment when, when you felt that and you felt like, oh, okay, this is, I'm, I'm fine. This is, this is gonna be okay. Yeah, uh, the Broadway audiences are really receptive and kind toward understudies, especially in this world of theater post-COVID, where it's like, not only are the understudies, you know, there, but they're, we're essential. 
in so many ways. So um, I felt that within the first scene, and because Juicy does have to converse with the audience, that was helpful because if it was the opposite, you know, <laughs> I would have had to do a bit more work. Oh, that's true. Because like Hamlet, Juicy gets to direct address. Many of the characters get to direct address the audience, if I remember. But maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. What? Who is Juicy and what, what on earth is Fat Ham? Yeah. Juicy is this young, black, queer, college kid in the South who's just trying to really figure it all out. He's dealing much like Hamlet with uh, some pretty heavy stuff. There's the death of the father. There's this relationship with the mom. There are these complicated feelings around love and friendship. There is a task given by a ghost. Um, So all of that is still very much in line with Hamlet, but particularly with Juicy, you know, he's got a lot of ennui and he's got all of these attributes that don't necessarily fit in this world. Um, He feels like a bit of an outsider. And Fat Ham is this really fun, delicious, somewhat of an adaptation, right? We do get these references and we do have these, you know, characters that are drawn from the original, but is also set at this this barbecue um, on the day of his mother's wedding to his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> insane to say out loud, you know, when you think about it, I've been in it so long, but every time I say it, it's like, oh yeah, the story is wild. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw that, um, I, I felt that one of the things that the play did more than Hamlet is that it really explored the relationship between you and your dad in a deeper way than the ghost of, of, of Hamlet's dad and, and Hamlet. So do you want to talk about that? Because the scene between you and your dad was really, really kind of heartbreaking, but also really, really a very good scene. Yeah. And it, it is an interesting scene to kind of dig into and I'm grateful for people like, you know, Billy Eugene Jones, who plays that, um, that character. Also the Nikki Crawford, who plays the mom. That's another huge dynamic. On the surface, it can come off to some people as, you know, pretty funny. You know, it's, it's this really animated ghost who is giving him this huge task. But at the end of the day, I think it really exposes the hardship that Juicy had to endure at being the child of someone who was not kind. Someone who did not lead from a place of love. Someone who did this horrific thing that landed him in prison in the first place. So we have already this hard relationship that was really fraught before Pap dies. And then you have this return and being able to kind of delve into not only the comedy of it, sure, but also just, you know, this play requires a lot of active listening. So not only is he dealing with the fact that, okay, I am talking with a ghost, but now this ghost is telling me some things about these people that I'm still dealing with who are alive. And that task is even bigger. Um, it's what he has to deal with for the rest of the play. So yeah, it is it's a balancing act for sure, because now this person is tasking me to kill my uncle. <laughs> and how do you deal with that? And it's kind of like a moment by moment thing with Juicy. Because Juicy also barely leaves the stage. Yes, uh, it's a big role. It is. So I, I, 
did a lot of like centering before I went out onto the stage for the few minutes that I had. Um, because I knew that moment by moment, people would not only be watching the characters that come in and out of Juicy's sphere, but also this one central character and how he's responding to all of this. Yeah. So there's a lot of pain that Juicy is fighting through as well um, in the midst of this raucous kind of comedy. I think that's what would have brought out and it made your decision that much more difficult. There, there are so many things about the play that are really, really fun for an audience and an audience can really hook into and for an audience that has some familiarity with Hamlet, it's really fun to kind of piece together, okay, where, where are the parallels here? Where is this play mirroring Hamlet? And it's also really, really fun because the playwright, it seems to be very interested in relationships, especially Juicy's relationship with all of these different characters and explores that in a way that I think is, is very much the playwright's own um, inspired maybe by the relationships in Hamlet, but but this this play is its own thing. It isn't it isn't just a retelling of Hamlet. So so Juicy's relationship with his mother is very very interesting and important. The relationship with the Ophelia character, the Laertes character, the Horatio character, all of these characters are really really fun. Is there a relationship in the play that that really resonates with you? Yeah. I would have to say it's the relationship between Juicy and the uh, kind of Gertrude, Tidra, his mom. Also not an easy relationship to deal with. You know, she's, Tidra is the queen of all of this. You know, she's the one that's trying to make sure that she, her day goes off smoothly in terms of this wedding barbecue. And she wants everyone to have a good time, but she also knows energetically there's this tension between her son, who she loves deeply, and this person that she decides to marry, who is her late husband's brother. <laughs> and that dynamic is, is very fascinating to me because sometimes she might appear as this mother who you don't really know if you want to be on her side. But then you see this heart and you realize, oh, okay. This is just their dynamic. And you get introduced a little bit to how she thinks about things. And you know that Juicy cares about his mom, but it's also like, all right, she's making these choices that you just do not agree with. And how do you sit with that? And I, I resonate with that because I have a very specific relationship with my mom. And we have grown over time, especially you know, being a Black gay man myself, from the South, also, like Juicy, I, I know what it's like to kind of exist, you know, at the intersection of all these tension points and needing that lifeline. And thankfully, I have, you know, my mom is one of those safeguards in my life, but it's not necessarily the case for Juicy. And then she does have this moment where she does break, you know, down with him and she says, no, I need you. You know, you don't get to go crazy because it, at the end of the day, it is the two of us. I found myself rooting for almost all of the characters in the play, surprisingly. You yeah. know, I don't think I was rooting as hard for Pat because they have fun well, characterizing <laughs> him as a villain. And then the Rev also has some really problematic moments. I'm not rooting for the relationship between Rev and Juicy as, a, as somebody sitting there in the audience. But I have to say that the relationship between Rev and your mother in the play, I forget the name. Can you remind me? Atidra. 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 You are kind of, you're rooting for that. They seem to be very good for each other in a way. 
Yeah, as strange and, you know, people might say toxic as it might seem, there is something about them that works. And, you know, she, she tells about how Pap was not a good person to be around. And Rev has his faults for sure. But something about them, there is like this kindredness, kind of like what Juicy has with his friend um, Opal, or with his cousin Tio, which are like the kind of Ophelia and uh, Horatio. But yeah, something about that works. Yeah, one of the things that struck me was that, you know, we're not in the Danish court. We're not talking about kings and queens. We're just talking about regular people. And so what I took from that was how uh, Tidra had limited choices and she was trying to make the best choices she could under the circumstances that she was in to support her family, her son. And they weren't always the greatest choices, but they were really what she thought was the best path for her. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. One of my colleagues loves to loves to ask the question, why this play now? Why this play now? And this play has gotten a lot of attention. It won the Pulitzer Prize. Why do you think this play is important now? I think it's important because at its foundation, it's people trying to figure out this thing called life. With these circumstances, yes, but it's a slice of life. One day, you have all these dynamics. You have people making hard choices. You, you get to see people interact in a very kind of quotidian sort of way with setting up a table, um, eating around a dinner table. But then on top of that, you have this comedy that is huge and delicious and, and it's very dynamic. And then you throw in a little bit of Shakespeare, you know, for those people who do appreciate things that are adapted. I think it is adapted really well. There's something about that where you can reimagine a classic and what we consider a classic to be and to look like. And at the end of the day, it's just something that I think everybody will be able to take from. There's a kinetic energy, I think, that's really exciting that comes out of this play, out of these relationships that ultimately is what I think theater should do, it should inspire, it should enliven. Um, so yeah, that's why today that this something like Fat Ham, it's something that's alive. And I also, I mean, I think, I think it's got something for everybody. I mean, it's got, you know, you've got some identity questions, you've got some sexuality questions, you've got the, you know, all the whole Shakespeare thing for Shakespeare buffs like Gary and I. And uh, one of the, the fun things for me was to track what are, you know, Hamlet's soliloquies? They're very famous. Everybody knows them. And so what are Hamlet's soliloquies in Fat Ham? And mm-hmm. Garrett and I got into a little discussion in the pub afterwards. And we I want to talk about the karaoke scene. Because I, I think that your karaoke song is, Oh, What a Rogue and Peasant Slave Am I. I think that that's, that's mm. parallel. But I don't know. That's just my thought. Um, I think, Garrett, you said it was to be or not to be. That's what I thought, but I don't know if there's a... What do you, what, what do you think? <laughs> Maybe there's not a clear answer. Who knows? You know, I think that's the fun of it, that it isn't that clear. But for me, that karaoke moment is, is a big thing because it does start off as, you know, karaoke at a barbecue, and then it morphs into this 
really huge cerebral thing where you get to explore more of Juicy's kind of inner um, in relation to, you know, this thing drawn from Hamlet. For me, uh, no full spoiler alert, the song is Creep by Radiohead, um, which is such, you know, a crowd pleaser. It's one of the signature moments of the play. It was just a fantastic, and you did it so wonderfully. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, and for me, that song was never a song. It was a monologue. I always approached it as that. And so I said, okay, how can I put these words just on top of the music? I think Creep is in a way Juicy's to be or not to be. I Darn do it. <laughs> However... Because it is a very ugly moment and he is just really wrestling with these questions and his place in time. That was, it was undeniably a magical moment in the theater because it just worked so well. Everything was set up so beautifully that the way all of the production elements set up that, that when you got the microphone in your hand, the audience, the, the anticipation in the audience was like right there. There was this great energy. We were just, we were just, yeah. So with you, it was one of these beautiful moments in the theater where there's that communion, you know, that only theater does that. That is why we go to the theater. Even before you, even before you open your mouth, there's just such, it was beautiful. It was a really beautiful moment. Just to, just to back, back off fat ham, which I could talk about forever, but I let's, sure. let's go back a little bit for you. What's your relationship to Shakespeare? It, it, I have a very interesting relationship with Shakespeare. I, wasn't sure for a while if I really liked Shakespeare earlier on um, in undergrad and coming out and into auditioning. I studied him in high school. You know, we had to read, you know, Macbeth and Hamlet then. And then I studied him a little bit in undergrad. I went to Howard University and was an English major theater minor. So I got to study him more so through my English major um but then afterward there were a few auditions i lived in dc did the whole shakespeare theater folder theater auditioning and about six years ago the top of 2017 a friend reached out and she said i know someone who's doing this thing um and they want black actors and they want to develop something exploring the relationship between black actors and shakespeare i said Okay. I remember being in that process. It was about six weeks. We put on a reading um, by the end of that time. And a lot of it was conversations. And we got to really say, okay, what is this thing? We wound up eventually calling the piece, Speak of Me As I Am, from Othello, um, Shakespeare Within Black America or something like that. And I developed a stronger love thereafter for Shakespeare because I realized, oh, wait, 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 wait. This is someone who knew how to write for the moment and knew how to do it well, who wrote such lively dynamic characters and real life in a way that still translates. And I said, oh, okay. And that way the language was easier for me to pick apart and to dissect and to analyze. And ironically enough, that was the same year I was offered Shakespeare in Love. And I said, okay, well, that only makes sense. Now that I have this appreciation, it's only just going <laughs> to, things are going to fall into place. I got to play Demetrius a couple of years later in the Midsummer Night's Dream, which was a dream in itself. And I remember 
talking with the director and a few people in the cast saying that that was my first Shakespeare production, a full Shakespeare production as Demetrius. And there was a bit of uh, you know surprise because they were like, well, it seems like you've been doing this forever. And I said, well, I think my appreciation that I grew into for the work, for Shakespeare, for this text, actually helped me to sit more in, into something um, and to study him as I would any other script. So yeah, it's been a journey with me and, and Shakespeare. Yeah. Well, I like what you what you finished with, which is like how you said you approach Shakespeare like you would any other script. Absolutely. And yeah. so often people don't. People look at Shakespeare as this weird other. And I, and I think that that is amazing that you do that um, and really hopefully instructive to some of our listeners. I hope so. Yeah, it's, we study it the way we study text. That's a nice segue into the piece that you've chosen to share with us today, which is a piece of text that appears in both Hamlet, the play by Shakespeare, and in Fat Ham by James Iams. And what is this piece of text? Yeah, so it is something that happens after a conversation with uh, Larry, the kind of Laertes character, a really vulnerable, softer kind of moment. And these characters exploring their queerness in a way. And Juicy is now grappling with what that was and where he is in space and time. Shall I read it? Yes, please. What a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. And yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me, no, nor woman neither. Though by my smiling, I seem to say so. Thank you, Marquise. So why does Juicy choose to say these words at this moment? I think Juicy is, is he's fighting in this moment between this tension, this what could be tension between him and this other person. And also just how difficult it is for them to exist in this space. You know, two queer people on different sides of the spectrum, kind of. Although Juicy is dealing with a lot of things, he is a bit more open to say, okay, well, let's explore something um, with what little space we have. And Larry is on the opposite end of that. He's like, I can't go but so far in this moment. Um, and so there's just like, Juice is at that intersection of that between, you know, what he wants. He's really just breaking down his feelings, his attraction, this really just kind of frenetic energy once again that's bubbling through the entire play. No, no, he also kind of has to just close it off in a way because he can only explore it, but for so long because someone else is going to come in and interrupt or he knows he can't really fully express as much as he would like. Yeah. Well, I think it's always interesting, you know, in a play that 
uses source material, you know, the author chose to use that particular speech. There's a bunch of others that, you know, James Iams could have chosen, but yeah. that's the one. Do you have any thoughts about why that particular speech versus any of the other brilliant Hamlet speeches? I think there's something kind of exciting about being able to flip that language about what a piece of work is a man into something that's a bit more interpersonal between these two queer characters in this moment. I think that's a good springboard. So I want to ask a, just a purely technical question for you yeah. as an actor. So when, we, when I listen to you do that speech, the first thing that strikes me is that it, the sounds that you're making are beautiful. It sounds gorgeous, the way that you use your voice is delightful to listen to, but it's more than that. It's connected, it's intentional, and it's clear. I can understand what you're saying. I can understand all the words and why, you, why you're saying them. As an actor, I mean, I don't know how you could hope for much more than that, but how, how do you get there? Like, what's your way, what's your way in? I think for me, it's always about figuring out how to tell the truth. Um, and so approaching it from a place of truth and really just trying to be as clear as possible with the intention. Why these words? Why now? And then picking apart certain words, you know, the beauty of the world. This is in relation to Larry and making sure that everything is connected to something. This is also a character where you get to be reflective, which is exciting. Um, so I get to bring in, sure, the technique, and, you know, vocally, there's all the breath support and, you know, tricks and tips that we have. But something that's been exciting with this process for me is that it's, I get to be cerebral. I get to reflect. I get to sit more in the natural kind of feel of it in this moment. And, you know, trying to approach it from a place of truth and honesty, always as much as I can, um, that helps. It's not always in every play that one gets to reflect like that and have those private moments with the audience, which is one of the delights of obviously Hamlet, but also Fat Ham as well. And just that, like as Garrett said in the very beginning of this podcast, your relationship with the audience was one of love and appreciation. And it was really uh, you know, fun to watch the journey that Juicy goes on through this play. Marquise Gibson, it's been delightful talking to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you both. Such a pleasure being here. Yeah, thanks, Marquise. What a treat to get to talk to you about your Broadway de debut. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And thanks for listening to The State of Shakespeare. But I'm a queen. I'm a Thanks for joining us for the State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.